It's time once again for another thrilling episode of Mark Out Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned though, smarks and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. That's right. Welcome back to Markout Radio. Is everything working? Please tell me everything's working, producer boy. <laughs> I don't want another fucking repeat of last week. Thank you. Jesus. Just can't get free good help these days. All right. Like I said, welcome back to Markout Radio. This is episode 54 for September 23rd, 1996. Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center in Birmingham, Alabama. So we're in the good old country for WCW, obviously. Host of this week by Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco, Eric Bischoff, Mike Tanay, Ted DiBiase, Six, Hall, Nash, Hogan, sort of Vincent, and Ted. Oh, no, I already said Ted DiBiase. I did. Ted DiBiase did mine. All right. This is the 15th week in a row for Nitro to win in the ratings war that is actually a war. With a 3.4 to Raw's 2. That's right, 2. Don't worry, though. It's going to get worse. This turned down the fucking theme song. Thank you. This week, there were 4,308 in attendance. We have no idea how many paid to be there, but we do know that they had a gate of 59,000. That's an awfully round number for a wrestling show. I'm sure Bischoff wouldn't fudge the numbers or anything. I mean, oh, what's that? Oh. Oh, he's written up numerous times by the HR department with Turner Broadcasting over it? Huh. I just guess he couldn't help allegedly putting his hand in the candy jar. That's so unlike Eric and so, well, so out of character, really. No. No, that is not how that works, producer boy. You turn that shit up when I do that. You will respect my authority. That's right. Thank you, Cartman. Jesus. Last night, WWF had yet another in-your-house pay-per-view trying 15,000. This time it was branded Mind Games, presumably because WWF's version of suspenseful matches were featured. Dark matches were Jake Roberts defeating Triple H, Farouk defeating Mark Merrow with Sable, Sid defeating Vader. Uh, for the show itself, Savio Vega defeated Marty Jannetty, and no one cared. Then he defeated Justin Bradshaw in a Caribbean strap match, which is no different than any other kind of strap match, obviously, with Harvey Whippleman as the special guest referee, and no one cared there either. Jose Lothario defeated Jim Cornette. Again, no one cared. The build for the match and the match itself was awful, even according to Cornette. And let's not forget about that fucking red onesie that Cornette was wearing. Holy fuck. Owen Hart and the British Bulldog won the titles off of the smoking guns. Highlight of the match, of course, was Sonny constantly pouting and leaning over. Mark Henry defeats Jerry Lawler via submission. No one cared. Undertaker defeats Goldust via pinfall. Well, it's actually kind of a good match, despite being called a last curtain match, which would make no sense to anyone with a functioning brain because no one was going anywhere. There wasn't a 10 count. I wasn't for DQ. It was just a name for being a name, I guess. Shawn Michaels retained the title as Mankind jobbed out to him via DQ. Still, 
You expect the post-pay-per-view rub for Raw, and instead they get to tie their lowest rating ever. But we're not talking about WWE pay-per-views retroactively, are we? We're talking about Nitro. So let's get into the show. Shivani on another cocaine bump, allegedly. And um, listen, plenty of display of pyro and flames out of the posts of the ring. Tony and Larry have changed places, which, of course, because I have OCD problems, tweaked me. Tony shows us the WCW ad from the USA Today with the NWO logo superimposed over the WCW logo. Could have been a smaller ad, but I'm not really sure how. Money well spent, clearly, obviously. When they recap the giant savage match after this, uh, yet again, this time because only Macho is left from the WWE or WCW main eventers, we cut to the arrival of fans in the arena, some of them balling up the NWO propaganda, others putting it over. One guy with a fucking amazing mullet, by the way, had some choice words for the NWO and is a Four Horsemen fan. All right, getting into the actual matches themselves. Kevin Sullivan and Conan defeat Juventud Guerrero and Brad Armstrong in two minutes. Oh, excuse me. I don't know how long. I gave it two out of five. Jesus. I got to rewrite this shit so I don't pay, I pay a little more attention to it. Sullivan, being the consummate professional, of course, um, that he is, has to start some kayfabe shit as the team of Guerrero and Armstrong were being announced. They got no entrance, of course. Why would they? They're the jobbers here. And uh, we all know how Sullivan feels about jobbers. Today is here to tell us what moves are called, sort of. Post-match, Conan gets a beat down into the dungeon, which today explains as something that would happen as a gang initiation in the barrio. Holy fuck. The 90s really were a different time. You definitely wouldn't get away with that kind of thinly veiled racism today. By the way, anytime Tanae puts himself over as somebody that's always been very sensitive to racism and shit like that, just remember what happened in this match and how he said that this is how you get broken into a gang in the barrio, all right? Just fucking hell. Anyways, we got a recap of the NWO from last week at the end of the show in the limo. After that, Tanae has a locker room promo with Savage. My fuck, the WCW production team sucks at their jobs. They had limiters in the 90s, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so what? They couldn't get those into that $5 million production truck they allegedly use? Save money by hiring CNN castoffs and TBS interns. Thank you. Anyway, Macho is going to light out Hogan tonight and a hand at Halloween Havoc. Jesus Christ. After this, we get the only good match of the night. I wish I was kidding, but I'm not. I gave it four out of five as Chris Jericho goes over on Mike Enos. There's a decent entrance here from Enos, better entrance from Jericho, although he's still being billed from Calgary. Tony tells us that the NWO are here, so is the number six. Jesus, fuck. Listen, the guy's name is six. That's his new gimmick name. It's six because one plus two plus three equals. Yeah, that's right. He is also, technically speaking, the sixth member of the NWO. So it's like a double entendre if you like those things. Um, it must be very confusing for a guy who started his broadcast career calling baseball games to get numbers and names of things right. And of course, he'd go back to that in 2001. So yeah, super confusing shit. Enos actually showed me a lot in this match. I did a great job of carrying the heel heat throughout the whole match with the super face Jericho, of course, doing his fucking job. Uh, 
really great work. And again, four out of five for the actual only decent wrestling fucking match on the card. Speaking of which, right after that, we get Glacier going over on Pat Tanaka. One out of five. How although Tanaka is still using Goldberg's entrance music. <laughs> I know that Goldberg had to have some sort of cool entrance music, but did they have to reuse Tanaka's? I mean, at the point when Goldberg appeared, they still had a shit ton of money, right? Right? Anyways, that match was a really quick job, and it could have gone on a lot longer with two wrestlers who share a similar martial arts gimmick. And it ends with a spin wheel kick, of all things. I mean... Jesus Christ. Public Enemy after this, Johnny Grunge and Rocker Rock defeat Harlem Heat, Booker T and Stevie Ray with Colonel Robert Parker and Sister Sherry at ringside to win the WCW World Tag Team Championship. Now listen, this one I gave three out of five. It was a decent match. However, it is late 96, um, which of course is sort of around the time that Angle had won the gold medal and when WWE kind of listened to his appeal to become a pro wrestler and then sort of just chunted him to the side for a little bit. But of course, WCW to answer that had Matt Gafarion, who was a silver medalist wrestler. Uh, Larry, of course, shoots on him for being a loser because he's not a gold medalist, which I thought was actually a good point for a kayfabe heel commentator to bury some Olympian. Apparently, um, according to Larry, he was too mean to be a, an Olympic wrestler, which I'm not quite sure how that works, but it was funny and it did work. Uh, Public Enemy comes out with a table, of course. Why wouldn't they? Oh, this isn't a hardcore match for the straps? Hmm. Weird. Harlem Heat took so long getting to the ring that their theme song had to start again. Rocco Rock in the course of this match did this twice, by the way, but it was interesting to see it, an actual wrestling move from one of the public enemy members. A drop toe hold? But really? That's just Well, I mean, it's pretty cool actually that Bible Rocco Rock knows some wrestling moves. What? Uh, come on now. Tony now tells us that the NWO are not here. Of course, earlier they were here. But now they're not here. Fucking hell. We cut the break because Tony's a fuckhead. That's what I do! Of course, this being a Nick Patrick match, you have to expect a little bit of bullshit, but there actually was no shenanigans going on here. Booker's shoulders were down for the three. So much so the Booker was actually kicking a little and then remembered that he was supposed to lose and stopped. Hour two kicks off with Bischoff, Tanae, and Heenan. NWO is in the house with everyone except NWO Sting, according to Bischoff. And there will be someone new tonight. Again, how the fuck does Bischoff know that? And why, why aren't Tanae in the brain asking him how he knows these things? Greg the Hammer Valentine defeats Randy Savage via disqualification. I gave that three out of five. Apparently, Super Kahlo, earlier in the night, who was on a dark match with Rey Mysterio, dislocated his elbow. And Bischoff's going to tell us about that because I don't know why. It was a fucking dark match. No one's asking. Savage blasts Valentine with a chair outside of the ring, doesn't get DQ'd, but then does the same thing in the ring and does. Fucked if I know why. Post-match, Hall, Nash, Six, and DiBiase come out, lay out Savage, while the ring fills with garbage from the fans again. 
Waltman gets stiffed on a too sweet from Nash, which would be a common occurrence tonight. Giant comes up. When you're the redheaded stepchild of the clique, it must really fucking suck. Giant comes out to do what he obviously does best, which is cut a promo, introducing Hogan. The NWO takes over the show and does an in-ring promo. This does two things. First time we're using the phrase NWO whites as a moniker. And the first time they're using black spray paint for Rogaine for Savage. Because Hogan's got a full mane of hair, of course, and DiBiase hasn't had a widow's peak since the early 80s. Solid heel promo followed by Nash and Hall taking over the announce position and roughing off Bischoff a little bit to get him to stay and do his job, which of course blew up Nash because he's obviously in the best shape of his life. Then the NWO introduced their new head of security, Vincent, who went too far with Bischoff roughing him up that he was immediately suspended after the show went off the air for a few weeks. Now listen, Hogan would try to like mollify this a little bit, but when you piss off Bischoff, you piss off Bischoff and he holds a grudge like a teenage girl. The NWO t-shirt promos followed after this with a giant being added to the mix. Buy the shirt! Back from break, the NWO debuted the NWO NASCAR. Kyle Petty drove for them for a handful of times, but of course, no one has any idea how many races the NWO car was in because it was also the WCW car, which was driven by many fucking drivers. The WCW NWO NASCAR team was a clusterfuck of dysfunction, no shit, and chaos. Amusingly, by contrast, the Slim Jim car, which was also partially sponsored by WCW, performed well in 96 and 97, which would allow Savage to do some shoot promos on Nitro from time to time, throwing the NWO and sort of the WCW by, con by, by well, listen, they're attached to it uh, by proxy, I suppose is the word I'm looking for under the bus. After this... Uh, a, a match that didn't make its way into the record books, which I thought was a little bit weird, maybe because it never happened, although that doesn't really stop anything else from making it into the record books. But anyways, Jim Powers with Teddy Long versus Wall Street. Um, listen, as a match, obviously, it didn't really... Well, it didn't do anything because it wasn't a match, so... Zero point zero. As a promo for NWO dominance, three to five. Giant takes over ring announcing, of course. Hall, Nash, and Six leave the announce position. Hall and Nash uh, pull Powers out of the ring and lay a beating on him while Wall Street bails. Just walks to the back all nonchalant. Randy Anderson leaves the ring undoing his awesome little bow tie, which, by the way, we got to see that was a total fucking clip on, so sweet. Uh, let's see. Nick Patrick comes out to call the match. Of course, it's going to be right down the fucking middle. And by the way, he now has an earring. Only in the left ear. I can't remember anymore from the 90s it, which one was the one that made you gay? Was it when you only had a left or was it when you only had a right? I don't know. It's so confusing. Anyways, it's a really cute little gold loop. It's super awesome and goes great with his long hair and his goatee. See? Like mine, except more gay. Randy Anderson leaves the ring, but Nick Patrick comes out to call the match with no bell or nothing, really. Giant takes over for Wall Street and wrestles Powers, who accidentally sells a clothesline instead of a choke slam. So the Giant picks him up and drops him again, pinning him for the three count. Meanwhile, Hogan's backstage, you know, letting everyone know he's there and tagging walls and hugs the Nasty Boys, offering them his room key, which is a little bit creepy, and then got them to hold the title belt for the rest of the night while uh, I guess he's going to go back and talk business with them, which, I mean, after the, all of the allegations that came out in the <laughs> in, in like the 
2010-ish time, um, this became a little bit more creepy in retrospect. I guess that night it really wasn't that creepy. And I, as a teenager, I kind of just went, oh, yeah, okay, cool. He's going back to the NW, which is Hogan's room, which is cool. Right. Anyways, coming back from break, the NWO has completely taken over the show uh, as we're coming back from break with the NWO theme song. It's still, here's the problem. The NWO took over the show, but the production imagery is all still WCW stuff. It kind of would have been cooler if they'd gotten that same logo they put in the USA Today article and used that as coming back from break stuff, but... I don't know. Maybe when you've got CNN cast-offs and TBS interns, they can't really put together something like that. We have seen the retrospective Rey Mysterio shit that gives you a seizure before, so I'm starting to lean to the fact that the graphics department is a little bit weak. Six defeats Jim Duggan. I gave that one three out of five. Announced uh, by the Giant, of course, is Jim Powers Duggan versus Rob Stubb. I'm not quite sure what he said because, of course... The giant has too many teeth for the size of his mouth, which is a little bit ironic considering. Bischoff cleans us up a little bit um, from the announced position. Hogan comes out and shakes Stud's hand before he and Nash lay a beating on him, allowing Hall to cue up the NWO theme song on their ghetto blaster and putting it on the live mic. Even though the show came back from break with the NWO theme song, we're going to use the ghetto blaster and a live mic because... Well, because it's awesome and it looks like they've taken over, I guess. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> Hogan enjoys commentary after Duggan uses his 2x4 to clear the ring. Giant performs a very safe choke slam in this match on Duggan outside the ring, then rolls him in for Nick Patrick to count the three as Six gets the victory. Six joins the announced position and gets left hanging by Hogan. <laughs> Really not as night, but again, when you're the redheaded stepchild of the fucking clique, you just take what you can get. NWO Sting defeats Bo Ledeau. I wish I was fucking kidding with this guy's name. Anyways, apparently the NWO brought him. I'm not quite sure how, but I guess the NWO brought a guy to job to their own guy. I'm not quite sure what happened here. Anyways, two out of five. Sting will never join the actual announce position, which I thought was sort of a wasted opportunity. I mean, they could have had... NWO Sting on Mike. Now listen, he's great at doing Sting's gimmicks and doing his matches, which is good. I just don't know if he'll probably go over on Mike. Maybe that's why they didn't have him on there, but it still would have been fucking funny. Uh, of course, NWO Sting comes out to Sting's actual theme song, which created a lot of awesome heel heat. It would have been better if they'd gotten the graphics department to just put Sting on the scrawl instead of putting NWO sting, but whatever. Dropping out to Bo Ledoux wearing a single at number two from your local wrestling store. NWO sting, like I said, did a good job of mimicking real stings moveset and wouldn't let go of the Scorpion Deathlock after the match was over, which of course dumped out to the main event, which has ended up being Scott Hall and Kevin Nash defeating High Voltage. Zero point zero. I, there was no promo. I would like to I'd like to give it a grade on a promo scale, but there was no promo. Um it was just a fucking squash match, which whatever. I this was initially booked as high voltage versus the amazing French Canadians. I don't believe for one fucking millisecond that this was the main event for Nitro ever. I don't believe that at all. But it did kind of work on a weird fucking way. Um, anyways, 
both French Canadians would come out and cuss in French on the live cam. Luckily, the FCC barely understands English, so WCW avoided a fine in this instance. Of course, to get some cheap heat, the French Canadians started singing the Canadian national anthem in French. I, th- I feel like singing it in English would get you the same reaction, but in French was even better. This led uh, to Hall and Nash coming out to replace the heels in this match. High voltage effectively jobbed out to the outsiders here. It would have been much more entertaining a match had Hall and Nash actually had their first Nitro match. Still, I mean, I guess it allowed for Hall and Nash to show off some of their moves without interference from other wrestlers also trying to get over. As a general rule, I really hate job matches. Um, Probably because watching WWF back in the 80s was essentially watching just countless fucking jobber matches but in this case it was just objectively a bad match high voltage which again was a bischoff hire a power plant polished tag team they were effectively ruined to put over two main event guys who don't actually need the heat there's no reason why giant and vincent and hogan and anybody else could have come down to help the outsiders get over as they did with six but here we are Basically just jobbing out two guys that were coming up that were jacked, that had a great package, that had a great, well, Jesus Christ. It was, it, I get it. They were two muscle assholes, like, and to smother baby oil on themselves. But still, this is what he wanted. Bischoff wanted these people. And now, basically, we're going to bury them because we have two former WWF main event guys that we've got to, I don't know, establish, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck you call that. During the commentary, though, Hogan has joined the announce team and he calls out Tyson a couple of times, helping Bischoff continue his goofy-ass fucking war with Vince McMahon. To wrap things up, Bischoff throws to Savage beatdown for the uh, throwback to the beginning of the show, while the NWO gets to do live commentary on it. Hall tries to break kayfabe by asking the Giant if he's really Andre's son, which White definitely avoids. Given his performance tonight on the mic as announcer... Um, for the matches, that was actually an accomplishment. Great heel heat, of course, for the second hour of Nitro with the NWO taking over the show. But for me, the show was just okay. Like I said, the NWO takeover was good. With the exception of the Jericho Enos match, the wrestling was just fucking dog shit. I'm sorry, but objectively, as a wrestling show, this was garbage. As a promo for the NWO, sure, it worked. I remember the heat that it got for me as a kid and re-watching it, I got hot watching most of it too. But this time, for a different reason because now I'm watching it from a different perspective, I guess. Basically, you ask a bunch of guys that have been carrying a company to effectively job out to the WWF in the ring. I, I would like to say that it's something else, but it's not. Still, the show is a show and it's a sports entertainment show for lack of a better term. So it deserves some sort of score, right? So I guess since it establishes the NWO as an actual bona fide threat um, and, and it pushes the heel gimmick forward a few inches, three out of five, I guess I'm being really generous, but honestly it wasn't the worst nitro I've seen this year. It was just fucking garbage. As far as if I'm a wrestling fan and I'm watching this, I got to see a lot of, like, I don't know, shitty reality TV, I guess, is what I'm seeing. Like I said, it was mostly shit wrestling and job matches. Um, The reason most of those job matches were there were decent because they were building NWO heat, but I just, I just don't fucking like job matches. They're just shit. 
And they're done at the expense, like I said, of so many potentially good wrestlers who basically got to job out to WWF guys. So it's a Monday Night War, right? That's the gimmick here is that it's the Monday Night Wars. And this is Bischoff's baby is that he wants to be at war with Vince McMahon. So basically, he just booked every wrestler that Vince ever built to beat up every wrestler that Eric built. Just leave that dangling out there like a naked old man with a fucking Dunlap and a small dick. Eric Bischoff effectively just booked a show where every guy that fucking Vince ever built just beat every fucking wrestler that Eric ever built. Well, that was an abortion of a show. Should the mood take you, check out markoutradio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voicemail on our Skype. Just click the links and share them.